Welcome, everybody, to the NFL Show on the Grizzly True Sports Network. The NFL Show is brought to you by PathImpurity.direct. Right now, get a special two months for the price of one. $75 for two months of CBD. It goes underneath your tongue. Time releases over the next 12 hours, so you get the full benefit of it most of the day. I am your host for the NFL Show, Mike Goodpaster. Right now, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Sam Teets. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, Mike. How about you? All right, and today we're going to start where we do one of these the rest of the week. We break down all four divisions, preview the offseason for each team, guys that they could get, guys that they could lose, salary cap, all of that. Today we're going to go with the AFC East, and when you look at this division, the Buffalo Bills won it 13-3 and last year, but all these teams are intriguing. I mean, the Bills are intriguing because they've got a lot of guys that are going to be free agents. They may only have three returning offensive linemen. You got the Miami Dolphins, what they're going to do at the quarterback situation. The Patriots, Bill Belichick, what they're doing at the quarterback situation. The Jets, what they're doing with their quarterbacks. Uh, the only team that's really set here at quarterback to me looks like the Buffalo Bills when you look at this from the top. Which is why you have to expect the Bills are probably going to win this division next year. My concern for them, though, is, is the offensive line. I mean, you mentioned it. They're going to have a couple of stars potentially that leave in free agency, especially Daryl Williams, the right tackle. Lots of concern. John Feliciano, the one guard who's leaving, I don't think it's a huge loss. You can replace that guy fairly easily, considering that the interior offensive line was a huge issue for you this past year. It's why they struggled to run the ball so much. It's not that Zach Moss and Devin Singletary aren't talented. It's not that interior offensive line didn't get any push. So I think there's going to be issues down the offensive line. That's probably where you're going to have to address things this offseason. Yeah, and this is a team that's fresh off an AFC championship game. Their future has not looked this bright since probably the early 90s when Jim Jim Kelly powered the offense. They had MVP runner-up Josh Allen, all-pro Stephon Diggs. They formed one of the most potent quarterback-wide receiver duos in the league. The Bills appear to be as complete as any team. When you look at them, quarterback-wise, they're in good shape. Josh Allen's under contract. The backups are under contract. Um Running back, everybody's under contract. My question is this, so do you need to upgrade the running back situation with Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Christian Wade, and Antonio Williams? No. No, I don't think you do. Devin Singletary showed me a lot in his rookie season. I like what I saw from there. I like what I saw from Zach Moss this past year. Neither of them was going to be a star player, don't get me wrong. But the issue was not Devin Singletary and Zach Moss this past year. And you, by the way, have already invested draft picks in the past two years into that running back position. Don't go back to that well again this year. It's that interior offense line that's the big issue. You have no push up there. You're getting killed in the trenches, which is why you're having so much struggle, especially in the running game. The past game, you're, you're surviving in there, and Josh Allen's mobiles, that helps out a little bit. But you're being destroyed in the running game up front. So that's why someone like a Elijah Vera Tucker in the draft or a Matt Filer in free agency could really do a lot for them. Yeah, I think free agency – I mean, free agency and the draft may be the way to go with this team. I think they really need to improve the offensive line – and I think that they could add a running back. I think Sean McDermott is a guy who prefers to spread the ball out in the backfield. But I think this comes down to whether he believe Moss, believes Moss or Singletary can operate as a lead back. And you seem to think that Singletary can? Yeah, I think he can. I The only person I might take a flyer on this offseason, because I'm not big at paying big money for running backs. I don't think you want to spend a draft pick on them. But if you're going to buy low on a guy, Maybe Marlon Mack, who was in a thousand yard rusher from the Indianapolis Colts, who missed most of this past season. He's probably going to be a cheap player to sign for a one or two year deal and see how that works out. So he could be an upgrade there potentially for them. And again, he should be relatively cheap compared to other running backs on the market. 
Now, if we look at wide receiver under contract, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, John Brown, Isaiah Hodge or Hodgins. You got Andre Roberts, Isaiah McKenzie, two guys that aren't. But I think this, I think wide receiver is arguably the Bills' strongest position and one that can't be high on the priority list. Oh, yeah, because they have four playmakers there. And you talked about Gabriel Davis, who was a rookie this past year, was impactful. John Brown was hurt for a lot of period of time, but we saw him two years ago. He was very impactful in that offense. And Stephon Diggs is a top five receiver in the league right now. So I don't think you need to pay any attention to the wide receiver position this year. Maybe go out and get a guy you like in the sixth or seventh round just because he's there and it's good value for him. But you're not going to see them pay any guy in free agency a lot of money. We go to tight end. I, I think this is a position that they really need to upgrade. Dawson Knox is a solid player. Lee Smith, both under contract. Tyler Croft is an unrestricted free agent. What do you think about a player such as Jonu Smith? Yeah, Jonu Smith for the Tennessee Titans, not a great blocking tight end, but you don't really need that on your roster. If you have Lee Smith, who's pretty much your blocking tight end, you don't need to worry about that in particular. I think Jonu Smith would be a huge upgrade there for them. It's just a question of financially, what is he going to be asking for? Because He's not that much better than Dawson Knox, an extra 5 or $7 million a year. In a season when the salary cap's not going to go up that much, it might actually go down a little. You don't want to be paying extra money for that tight end position when Dawson Knox is a solid player that you can survive with, especially when you have so many good wide receivers around him. Yeah, and you talked about the offensive line, Feliciano, Williams. These are guys they could re-sign. I would think that you go after Feliciano big time to keep him in the fold. I don't know. I think Williams is a more impactful player there. To me, you can survive losing Feliciano as long as you go out and get someone in free agency who can be better. I think Matt Fowler, who was a starting guard for Pittsburgh this past year and was a starting right tackle the season before that, you add a player like him who's versatile, can play two positions and be an above-average starter at both spots. Someone like that would be much more impactful on a team that's going to be losing potentially a left guard and a right tackle than a John Feliciano, who's just the left guard, who got bullied with, along with Mitch Morris and Cody Ford this past year. Um, uh, did Feliciano, I mean, to me, the offensive line played much better when Feliciano came back in like week six or seven, though. That's fair. I could see you saying that. I mean, I understand that he, he's not below average. He's probably a little bit slightly above average. Just the question of how much is he going to want versus how much you can get from a guy about the same cost in free agency. And I think there's a chance that you might get something better just by going to the free agent market than going back with John Feliciano, who's already 29 years old. And really, he's only had one season as a full-time starter. Okay, number one, 29 is not that old for a guard. Number two, even if you get somebody that might be a slightly better player, he may not be as good a fit with the guys that are already there. This offensive line was pretty good last year. I don't know if you really want to mess with that unless you have to. I see what you're saying, but I'll point to the running game again. The running game was not good for Buffalo this past year. Yeah, but was, that because, was that because of the offensive line or because of the running backs? I mean, it seemed like at least one of these running backs every week was hurt. And, I mean, I, I'm not as convinced as you are that Devin Singletary can be a number one guy on a team that can win the Super Bowl. I mean, who was the number one guy for the Kansas City Chiefs when they won the Super Bowl last year? Was That's it a little Damian bit Williams? you got to remember this. The Kansas City Chiefs are rolling with Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and – you know, they don't need to run the ball. They're not really attempting to run the ball. And, That's you fair. know, they were a much better team, the Chiefs were, when Clyde Hilaire was in the backfield. They were better in the Super Bowl when Clyde – I mean, their most successful player in the Super Bowl was Clyde Hilaire. You know, I, I don't disagree there, but I'm saying the fact is they don't need to have a superstar running back to win the Super Bowl. You don't need a Pro Bowl or a 1,000-yard rush to win the Super Bowl anymore. No, you've never needed that, but it doesn't hurt. 
And especially if you've got an offense with receivers like the Bills have. Because if you do get a running back that's really good, I mean, could you imagine Derrick Henry on a team like the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, but there's only how many Derrick Henrys are going to find the world like? There's Derrick Henry, and then maybe Earl Campbell, Jim Brown. That's about it. Yeah, you're not getting many guys like that. All right, defensive line. I think the Bills' defensive line is littered with contracts currently hamstringing the team's financial flexibility. Would you be surprised to see maybe them let one of these guys go? No, Mario Addison to me would be a guy who I would consider. Also, even like someone like Vernon Butler, let those guys go because they've been not as productive as their contracts would lead you to think they should be. Someone like Mario Addison, who had been good enough for eight or nine sacks a year in Carolina, comes to Buffalo, and he's not nearly the same player. I mean, Jerry Hughes, who's got what, his mid-30s by now, has been the only consistent pass rusher on their defensive front. So if you're looking at what they're trying to do, this is why J.J. Watt was in the running, or people thought that Buffalo was in the running for J.J. Watt. That's because they need someone up front to take that torch from Jerry Hughes, who's getting older, who's never been a superstar pass rusher. They need somebody who can consistently get 40 to 50 pressures a year and somewhere between 8 to 12 sacks. They don't have that guy right now. Yeah, and you said Hughes was the most consistent, but he's not consistent. He was the most effective pass rusher. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. He's been the most consistent year to year, but at this point in his career, he's got, what, I think 34, 35 years old at this point? Yeah. And we go to linebacker. You know, Tremaine Edmonds, I think is a stud. I like him a lot. Uh, my thought here is Matt Milano is a guy that they can't afford to lose, but they may not be able to afford to re-sign. And Matt Milano is interesting because I think the Buffalo Bills fall in and out of love with him. He started five games this past year. They benched him a little bit, but he's a full-time star in 2018-2019. His issues have been back and forth on it. How good is he against the run? He's been a very good coverage linebacker, though, which is what you need when you're paired next to a guy like Tremaine Edmonds who has had I think three or four years, only one good season gets the pass, really. So you're looking at that. You need a guy like Matt Milano who's able to play the passing game, especially in the modern NFL. And what they're doing, what they're asking for the linebackers, he actually fits fairly well with what they want. So not getting him back in for agency would be a huge loss for them. And frankly, I don't know, like in the draft this year, are there going to be three, four, you stretch it, five decent linebackers? Yeah, but how many of them are good in coverage? I mean, that's the thing about Milano. One One or two. Yeah, and it, I mean, Milano has good coverage skills. He's not a great player, but he's damn good, and he fits what they're trying to do. Yeah, Jabril Cox out of LSU is potentially the only linebacker in this class that I see is an immediate above-average player in pass coverage. And the chances of getting him, everyone, everyone's going to be looking at him. Everyone knows who he is. Everyone knows that he's the best in that, in that role. So the chances of Buffalo finding him in the draft are very low. All right, we go to cornerback. Pretty much everybody's re-signed or under contract, except for Josh Norman. I think three-year three, three starter Levi Wallace is a restricted free agent this offseason. Um, I think the Bills have to make an effort to bring him back. Um, Jackson, the 2027th round pick, was a good one. The Bills are going to have to draft a cornerback sometime in the first three or four rounds, though, I would think. Yeah, it's Ron Jackson was the one, I believe, who had that pick six in the playoffs against Baltimore. But if you look at the way this is right now, Buffalo's going to try to take Levi Wallace's job over and over again. They're going to bring him back, certainly. But they're going to try to bring someone who can compete with him, maybe give him a little bit of a push here or there, try to get a guy who can be a real number two. Because I know Levi Wallace is a good player. I just don't think that Levi Wallace is a guy who's really going to be an above-average cornerback at the level, especially if you've got Davis White on the one side. They're always going to be looking to that number two guy trying to pick on him. And I don't know if you want Levi Wallace to be that man in the situation who gets targeted 10-plus times a game. All right, at safety, Hyde and Poyer, are one of the league's best safety tandems. I don't think too many people argue with that. 
And I mean, Johnson does a good job. D Marlowe's a guy who's an unrefrigerated free agent. If they let Milano go, they have to get Marlowe. One of these two guys has got to be signed. And really, if I'm the Bills, I do everything I can to sign both of them. No, I, I agree with you. Here. You have to try to get Milano back for certain. I think he's probably the one you're going after the most, but you need to have the most pass coverage guys possible because what they've been doing is they've been selling out the past couple of years, especially this past season, to stop the pass. And then if some team runs against them, they run against them. They're willing to risk a team running for 100 yards if it means shutting down the passing game. All right, we're going to switch now, change gears, go to the Miami Dolphins. I think we – do you agree that the Buffalo Bills right now would be the favorite to win this division? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, we go to the Miami Dolphins, who just missed the playoffs last year. They don't have a lot of expensive free agents who they need to resign. Um, I, I think the big thing here is quarterback with Tua Tagovailoa. It looks like Ryan Fitzpatrick will probably be gone. Would you let Fitzpatrick leave? It depends. If you're rolling with Tua Tagovailoa next year, I would try to get Fitzpatrick back if I could, but I think he'll probably price himself out of your range after this past season. Well, how about this? I think if Tua is your quarterback, go with Tua. Let Fitzpatrick go. And you're going to find that you made a huge mistake picking Tua that high. Which is why I was potentially vying for picking Tua Tagovailoa. But if you realize you make that mistake anyways, it doesn't matter if you have Fitzpatrick or not. Even if you have Fitzpatrick next year, you're probably not going to make the playoffs if Tua Tagovailoa doesn't come through for you. All right. I would say this. If I'm Miami, what about going after a guy like Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a great fit. I mean, that's a guy who has had starting experience. He's been a starter for maybe I guess two full seasons. He had that one year where he got hurt a little bit, and he also has had a couple half-year starting periods. And that's a player who should be relatively cheap considering that he was a backup all this past season. And you like Joe Brissett a lot. You've talked about him. I think we said even before the year that he might give the Colts a better chance to win immediately than Phillip Rivers. So if we believe that still, he's still that kind of player. Jacoby Brissett could come in and potentially win the starting job by week three or four. All right, the Miami Dolphins at running back, Miles Gaskin. Um, you know, Matt Breed is an unrestricted free agent. I, I would say this. This is basically a team that's running back by committee. I think this is a team with a young quarterback that needs to get a number one running back. If Najee Harris is there, I would damn near just take him. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but at the same point, that offensive line needs a lot of help. I think there's other positions they really need to work on a little bit more. They, they drafted three guys last year. Who they started along the offensive line, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley, and Austin Jackson. None of them were that good. And they're going to need a center as well. So I think if you're really trying to help out to a Tagovailoa, Miles Gaston did not have a bad year this past year. You might be able to get Mark Ingram to be your in between the tackles running back for a lot cheaper than someone that you else who might be a superstar. If you're going to pick a guy in the first round, I would lean towards the offensive line rather than lean towards running back in that second selection of the first round. Well, in the offensive line, I think that maybe my biggest concern is losing Ted Karras. He played well this year. He's an unrestricted free agent. Um, so I think Karras is a guy that's really going to hurt if they lose him. Yeah, there's only three or four starting caliber off uh, centers in this draft this coming year. And guys like Creed Humphrey, Landon Dickerson, who might even move to guard at the next level. He's got injury issues. And someone like Drake Jackson, who probably wouldn't go to the fourth or fifth round. So you've got some... Not a lot of pickings there at center this year. I think Ted Cross is the guy that you should resign if you're Miami, especially if you're comfortable with him moving forward. There are going to be a bunch of other centers on the market, guys like Corey Lindsley, who was the best center in the league this past year. But I don't know if you want to pay that guy that much money when you have some big contracts in your defense already. Well, see, what I would do is I would try to sign Corey Lindsley. 
I mean, that's the guy I think that makes the biggest impact here. If you do that, then maybe you can draft your running back. Because let's face it, the Miami Dolphins need three or four quality starting offensive linemen. One's not going to get it done. No, I agree with you there. I mean, we talked about they drafted three guys this past year, and I'm not sold on Austin Jackson. We knew that was a risky pick last year when it happened, and I'm not sold on him yet. Solomon Kinley is decent, but probably not an above-average player. The only guy I think really performed to the level of expectations was Robert Hunt, who I think was a second-round pick and was the right tackle this past year. So I don't, I don't think anyone else really performed to the level of expectations. All right, we go to wide receiver. I, I think that Miami will be aggressive in wide receiver. I think they go after a Chris Godwin or a Will Fuller. Um, you know, if you go more affordable options, maybe Nelson Aguilar, Curtis Samuel, or T.Y. Hilton. But I think Miami is going to be aggressive going after a wide receiver. No, I totally agree. I think they will try to take off, uh, try to go after one of those top shelf wide receivers. And Devontae Parker, he had 1,200 receiving yards in 2019. So this is a guy who is a borderline number one. I don't think he's definite number one, though, compared to guys like Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin and Kenny Galladay. I would go after Chris Godwin. I think he's probably the best fit for your scheme after him. I would honestly just wait and go after someone like who's going to take a lot less money, someone like a Juju Smith-Schuster, who won't tell us that much. And then if you want to go wide receiver in the draft, you can do that as well. It leaves it open because you have Juju in the slot, then you will have Devontae Parker outside. And if you draft a guy like a Devontae Smith or whatever, you can have him on the outside as well. All right, we go to tight end. Tight end is probably the only set position for this team. I don't see anybody adding anything here. Mike Gusecki, Smythe, Shahan. These guys are all quality players. I think the big question is with Gaiseki and Smythe, do they get extensions as they approach the final year on their contract? Yeah, you have to extend Gaiseki. I mean, he's a guy who's got a Pro Bowl ceiling, and he's going to get there. You've already extended Adam Shaheen, who's your backup tight end, for relatively cheap. So he's going to be around there for the future. But Gaiseki maybe was the most impactful pass catcher in your offense past year. I know Devontae Parker, I think, had more yards. But Gusecki was the guy that Tua Tagovailoa could go to in situations where he needed to help, not Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker is more of a – he's better at jump ball receptions, which is something that Tua Tagovailoa just doesn't do. He doesn't throw jump balls very often, whereas Gusecki, he's someone who performed both, both Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback. So I think he's the guy that you have to extend and pay a lot of money to on this offense. All right, I think the biggest weakness on the Miami defense has to be the lack of a top-end pass rusher or top end pass rusher, there's not too many of them, usually elite pass rushers that reach free agency. There is a fairly deep group at edge here, and I think Miami needs to find somebody here because I think this is a weakness on this team. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys you could target here. It's a very interesting scheme but with the 3-4 that they run there. Miami, the, the outside linebackers them are usually are not pass rushers. They're trying to get a lot of pressure up front. But guys like Emmanuel Abba and Christian Wilkinson and Christian Wilkins. If I'm going to go after someone, I'm looking at the guys you're looking for a defensive end or a defensive lineman who fits that group. So maybe like a Leonard Williams had over 10 sacks this past year for the Giants. It's going to be expensive, but he'll probably be worth it. A Yannick Ngakwe can play multiple schemes. We've seen that already moving from Jacksonville to Minnesota and then back to Baltimore. So he's a scheme versatile player who could probably fit into those situations. And even a veteran like Olivier Vernon, who's pretty good with Cleveland this past year. We just don't know about his health. Those three guys are probably the three best players that might fit what they're trying to do in Miami. All right, linebacker. And I think this is where we're running into the problem with Miami. Uh, I'm not sold on Tua, and I'm not sold on this front seven. And I think there's going to be a lot of turnover with the linebacker group. 
I, I think Miami needs to add via free agency or draft a speedy off the ball linebacker who can cover and blitz. And as you said, there's not many guys like that in the draft. If you look at the top free agents, a guy like Levante David, um, Jalen Brown from Tennessee, the Jets Hewitt. I I think there's major issues here with the Miami Dolphin front seven. No, I totally agree with you because they don't get that push against the pass. And the only player who I think I look at this linebacking group and say it's really a solid player is Kyle Van Noy. I really like his versatility. He can do a little bit of everything for them. But outside of that, I mean, you have to go after a guy like Levante David, even an older player like a KJ Wright to play outside the linebacker for you. Wright's been fairly productive his entire career in Seattle. Took a little bit of a step back this past season. But I still think KJ Wright is probably a one-year, two-year deal. It's going to be very cheap. Someone like him for outside the linebacker job would make a lot of sense. But you brought up Jalen Brown. Those are guys who you really have to go after because you need the pass coverage help. You just don't have very good coverage linebackers right now. And Jalen Brown makes a lot of sense in that fit because he's very similar to Matt Milano. Yeah, and I think when you look at the secondary, I think Miami is good at the corner position. Of course, you got Howard, who they're probably going to have to give a big contract to soon. But I, I think there are questions at safety. And those questions at safety, I don't think they can stay the course with McCain and Rowe at safety. No, absolutely not. And they do have a – it's a fairly deep safety class this year. I mean, the safeties this season have – or in this coming draft class, people were talking a lot of bad things about them going into the process. But looking at it now, guys like Trayvon Mowrig, Richard Grant, there's a bunch of versatile defensive backs you can get in the second or third round. And you can like, still get a top three safety in the draft late in the second round. So there are going to be guys available in the draft. But free agency for the safety market this year, it's insane. There's so many great players out there. Everyone from guys like Justin Simmons, who will probably be franchise tag for the Denver Broncos, Marcus May from the New York Jets, Marcus Williams from the Saints, but they won't be able to resign him either. They can't afford him. John Hen- John Johnson from the Los Angeles Rams is another one. These guys are all top 20 free agents this year, and you have the opportunity to go out and get one of those guys. I think you could get one in the draft and one free agency here if you're willing to spend money at the safety position. All right, next up, let's go to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, who were below 500 for the first time in like a million years. Uh, they have an abundance of cap, salary cap space. And, you know, and this is an offseason when a lot of teams are kind of feeling a crunch. This could be to their advantage. So if they play their cards right here, I think New England can all of a sudden, you know, jump up and surprise some people. If we look at the quarterback position, you got Jared Stedham and Jake Dugella under contract. You've got Cam Newton sit there. What do they do at quarterback? Do you roll with Cam Newton again, or do you expect them to do something else? I really don't expect them to resign Cam Newton. I just, I just can't see it because they saw how ineffective it was offensively this past year, and they didn't have Grant. They didn't have the receiving weapons for him to throw the ball to. So maybe he's better if he goes somewhere else because they what was their best options: Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, guys who were never supposed to be number one options on teams. So I mean, Demir Bird as well. I think you go somewhere else. Yeah, it's just a question of where. There are guys like they like said Jacoby Brissett's out there, Andy Dalton's out there, Jameis Winston's out there. And he brought the idea of trading for a guy like Marcus Mariota because the Raiders can't afford to keep him this year the way his contract is structured. You're not going to hit a home run either way. Even in the draft, you're too low to get one of the best quarterbacks you would probably feel good about. I don't know. Tom to Brady was the sixth round. That's true. I mean, look, it'll be if you get a guy in the draft that way, it'll be someone no one saw coming, probably. Because unless you want Mac Jones, Mac Jones is going to be there for you. I mean, there's there's not a lot of great things to be available in the draft. You're going to have to make something out of nothing if you're going to go quarterback position there. So I think there's concerns here, but I think they go somewhere other than Cam Newton this year. 
because as we saw, Cam banged up a little bit. We don't really know. I don't think he really fit the offense they were trying to run this past year. I really think the offense was bad for most of the season. So I think they'll yeah. go somewhere else. All right, at running back, Damian Harris, Michelle are back. Um, James White and Rex Burkhead are unrestricted free agents, so they're going to have to have somebody in the passing back role if they don't bring back White or Burkhead or they find a lower cost option. I don't think this is a position they're going to try to hit too hard. I think they're fairly – they're solid enough for the running back committee to, to play. Yeah, they're good enough. And we saw Damian Harris really come on late in the season last year when Sonny Michelle was hurt. That's a concern with Michelle. He, he's always been an average back. He's never been a standout player. I wouldn't be shocked that they went out and just re-signed James White because he is that receiving back for them. He does a lot in that area. And he's still a very good player, I think, even at this point in his career. There are some guys that could roll, you know, roll the dice on, but you really don't want to offer guys like a Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette doesn't fit what you need at this point. You don't want someone to offer someone like him a contract. Maybe a Mike Davis who played for Carolina this past year. He's a very versatile back. You might see them offer him a contract. But I would still try to sign James White back. Yeah, and the thing that's amazing is people rip Belichick for going seven and nine, but we go through this roster. Seven and nine was kind of like working a miracle. You look at wide receiver, they have to upgrade that in a big way. Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, if any of them are not franchise tagged, I look for him to go after them. Plus, I think they're going to work the mid-level of free agency. They need help at wide receiver. Yeah, and you've got a guy Julian Edelman who's still on the roster, but I can't believe that you'll keep Julian Edelman around much longer based on the injury history he's had, based on where this team is right now. They're probably not going to be paying a guy like him as much as he wants at this point. And if he's been so injured, retirement might be right around the corner. So I'm looking around at the guys in the free agency right now. Who's going to bang for the buck? Someone like a Juju Smith-Schuster. And Juju Smith-Schuster is not a number one option. We know that now. But – he would probably walk into the locker room and be the best receiver on the team immediately. Someone like Keelan Cole from Jacksonville Jaguars is a mid-level free agent, but he will be arguably the best receiver on this team along with Jacoby Myers. I could see Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel is a guy who you can line up at running back, even at tight end sometimes in some schemes, or at wide receiver, and he'll get you over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Those are the kind of guys I expect them to go in on. I don't think they'll be competing for the top wide receivers in this free agent class because I don't know the top wide receivers in this class will want to go there assuming none of them are franchise tagged. Yeah, and if you look at tight end, pretty much everything we just said goes for the tight ends also. Yeah, and they drafted two tight ends this past year, but they were mid-round picks, and they didn't do anything in their rookie season. So I have no idea where to even begin at tight end, other than to say you need to get probably two new tight ends. Hunter Henry is a free agent this year for the Los Angeles Chargers, and you can land him. I, mean, I don't know how much you want to invest in that tight end position when you need so much help everywhere else. But Hunter Henry in that offense would immediately make it much better they might be the best pass catcher in that offense the way it is right now. All right. Offensive line, Joe Thune, David Andrews. These are guys they can't afford to lose. If they lose one, they definitely can't lose both, or it's really going to be hard to return and get a return on the investment here. I think after you lost Karras last year, Andrews stepped up, played all right. These are guys that got to be re-signed, but they've got to upgrade the offensive line. I don't think the offensive line is terrible. It's probably average, but they still need some help there, especially if you lose Thune and Andrews. Yeah, Isaiah Wynn's a good left tackle one. Health, the issue is that he's rarely healthy. Uh, Shaquille Mason on at right guard and Michael Unwenu at right tackle. Those guys were both fantastic this past year, so you're going to want to keep those guys around. So those two are good. So your right side of your line is fairly solid. The center position, I think if you're going to let a guy walk between Andrews and Thune, it's got to be Andrews to me because he's still closer to average. While Joe Thune to me is a probably top 10 guard maybe, maybe top 12 guard in the NFL. I think you have to keep him around. I don't see a place where you can lose him. 
And if you're going to – I don't want to be drafting a replacement guard in the, NF, in the draft right now the way this roster looks. You can't afford to be spending it on the offensive line when you have had a guy like Dooney on your roster the past couple of years. You need to keep him around, even if it means franchise tagging for a second year in a row. All right, you look at the defensive line. Lawrence Guy and Adam Butler are two guys I think that they have to re-sign. I mean, Butler's a valuable call as an interior rusher, and I think he should be brought back. Um, Guy has to be brought back. I think they need to bring both of these guys back, or that's just more holes that they got to fill. Yeah, and those guys shouldn't cost them too much, which is the benefit of having these players on the roster. The issue is that you bring both those guys back, how significant of game changes are these two players at this point in their careers? I mean, they're still impa- – don't get me wrong, they're still impactful – but if you're trying to have an elite defense like Bill Belichick has had in the past with New England, these guys are not going to be the answer. Your entire front from front seven, front eight, whatever you want to look at it as, you need to replace almost every player out there. Chase Winovich is probably one of the only players on this defensive front that was a positive this past year, and even he's limited. He's not a great coverage player. He's more of a pure pass rush. You don't get much out of him otherwise. So to me, this whole defensive front is just a mess, and this is a two- or three-year rebuilding situation up front for the New England Patriots. All right, Dante Hightower is projected to return, which changes the complexion at linebacker a little bit. Um, you got guys, though, that are still developing. I think linebacker is a position, as long as Hightower plays, I wouldn't attack too much because I think you get two or three young guys there that were all high picks in recent years who have a lot of upside. Yeah, we talked about Chase Windovich already. You got Josh Uchi, who I think was a, a second-round pick, maybe a third-round pick this past year. They have high hopes for him. And then Afri Jennings, I think, from Alabama. Those are two guys who are fairly young. So I can see what you're saying for the linebacker spot. And I wouldn't be afraid of going after a guy in the draft if you really like him. But I'm not spending much money in free agency on linebacker. I would focus a little bit more on that defensive line. All right. Cornerback position. What's your take here? You got Stephon Gilmore, $7 million base salary for 2021, which I think fuels questions on whether he'll be on the roster as it is well below market value for a player of his calendar. So what do you think the Patriots do here? You got Jason McCourty, who's also an unrestricted, who is a unrestricted free free agent. Yeah, the way I'm looking at it right now, this roster is not going to be Super Bowl ready for maybe two years at best. So I'm looking at it right now, Stephon Gilmore will be out of his prime by the time you're ready to win games again. I'm trying to trade Stephon Gilmore and get what I, whatever I can return from at this point. And if we're being honest, I'm letting Jason McCourty walk. He's, he's getting up there. And both McCourty twins, by the way, I know Devin's been a consistent player on that defense for years now, but we've always loaded Bill Belichick for going out there and moving on from players before they hit their walls. Well, the McCourty twins are 33 years old, going on 34. So I don't know how much longer Devin McCourty is going to be around in the secondary if you're looking at the way Bill Belichick has attacked things for years up to this point. And if he's changing his mind to the point where he's keeping players past their prime, that's an entirely different issue. And that tells you that maybe his coaching style is changing for the worse. So I think that you have to make sure – you get as much as you can for Stephon Gilmore, and you have to consider the long-term futures of the McCourty twins in that secondary. Yeah, if you look at safety, you talked about McCourty. Um, I think Kyle Duggar, who was last year's top pick, 37th overall, and is in a great position to be a really good football player. But they're going to have to make moves here, as you said, just because of the age of the McCourties. Yeah, and if you do, for some reason, move on from Adrian Phillips, who's more primarily a special teams player that they have saved you right now, or Devin McCourty, like I said, this is a huge draft for safeties because there are going to be a lot of guys in that second to fourth round that are going to be quality starter players. And in free agency, there's so many guys who are up there who can get a lot of money 
or even the cheaper rounds. There's guys from there's a guy from Dallas. I think it's Xavier Woods. I'm pretty sure who is going to be available as well. So you're going to have a bunch of players, even Keanu Neal from Atlanta at safety, who are available. You could sign and maybe not break the bank on. So I'm looking at potentially bring in one or maybe even two of those guys. Well, not not two because you have to, but I'd bring in at least one of those guys this offseason. All right, we'll wrap it up with the New York Jets. Um, the question is here at quarterback. And the organization's goal has to be to find a long-term solution. Is it Darnold? Is it a high draft pick? Is it Deshaun Watson? Um, what do you think here? I mean, to me, I would probably roll with Sam Darnold if I can't get Deshaun Watson. But there's a lot of things the Jets could do here. And we know the Jets are really good at doing the wrong thing. So what do you think the Jets will do? I really do expect them to draft a quarterback this year. I understand that Sam Darnold, if he was in this draft class, would probably be the second best quarterback right behind Trevor Lawrence. Or in your case, I don't know if you would have him ahead of Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. But with Sam Darnold, I do think there's a lot of hope there for him. I still have a lot of hope that he's going to be a starting caliber player. But we didn't see it this past year. We saw it in 2019. 2019, towards the end of the season, it helped the Jets win a lot of games when they were when they were underdogs. This past season, it just wasn't there. Now, is that the coaching? Is that the supporting cast? It's a little bit of both, and also to some extent, Sam Darnold's decision-making process. I just don't know here. I think they're going to draft a guy, but if I was, if it was me, I would just kind of hold out for Sam Darnold for one more year. The problem is that if you do that, the draft of 2022, there's no really great quarterbacks in that class. All right, running back, Ty Johnson, Perrine, Guerrero. I mean, you got unrestricted free agent Frank Gore. And I think this, with you've got, you know, Coach LaFleur, outside zone system they require a running back that can move I, I don't know that they have that i i expect them to draft somebody in the first three rounds to try to make them the number one running back yeah this is where you could see a Najee harris or travis Etienne go here even guys like michael carter from unc javante williams from unc those are the top four backs right now and they would probably fit what you're trying to do they have explosiveness they're fairly quality speed wise and you try to get one of those guys and even for agency this year, you've got someone like Kenyon Drake or Aaron Jones, maybe. Now, I don't recommend spending a ton of money on a running back in free agency, but there, there are possibilities out there if you're really trying to upgrade this position because you can't have Frank Gore be your top running back in 2021. And a wide receiver, you got Jamison Crowder, who has a team high 11.4 million cap charge. Got to do something about that. But I think the big thing is the Jets need a new starter on the outside to pair with Mims. And I think it's hard to envision the Jets spending $20 million per year on a top market free agent. So I think you get a guy like a Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, no, I agree there. I think you try to get Aguilar, who stretches the field fairly well. Because Mims plays a little bit of a different style, so I don't think you have a problem with those two guys playing the same role. Even someone like a Marvin Jones or a T.Y. Helen, if it's a one- or two-year contract, you're not investing too much money into them. I could see one of those guys going there as well, just because those are veteran players. They need some more vet. They probably need a couple of veterans on this offense. You're talking about all the youth they have right now. So it wouldn't hurt to bring in one of those guys who still has something to give. All right. I believe tight end all hinges on a new coaching staff. And whether they think Chris Herndon is worth salvaging or not. He regressed under Adam Gase, but doesn't everybody. So do you think they make a move here? Or do you think they roll with Herndon? I think you're probably going to roll with Herndon because there's not a ton to work with in terms of free agency this year for tight ends. I brought up Hunter Henry, but that's going to cost you a lot of money. You probably don't want to pay to a tight end position when you're starting to rebuild. 
your team, maybe a Gerald Everett who played for the Rams this past year. I could see someone like that being a decent fit for what the Jets are trying to do. But I wouldn't even invest a draft pick in tight end, to be honest, because you need so many other pieces right now if you want to get this thing turned around. So I'm leaving Chris Herndon as it is. I'm probably not touching the tight end position that much this year. All right, O-line, all five starters are under contract. I think Beckton and McGovern are the only two locks. Uh, you can let go of Lewis, Van Roten, and Fant and because I think all of them are on shaky ground. And if one or more of those guys are cut, I think the Jets should reinvest all that money they saved in Joe Thune. No, I agree with you. I think you have to go with – make sure you get at least a starting caliber offensive lineman in free agency here. Well, I mean, you, you put have those... next to Becton, you can at least run the ball to that side. <laughs> That's right. You have at least half a field you can work with then at that point. So you have something you can do. And, frankly, George Fant was a kind of sixth offensive lineman in Seattle. He was a swing tackle who only came in when someone got hurt. And you know you know, I've had him as a starter for a year in New York. So I think that's a problem there. You have to address these situations. Someone like a Daryl Williams, who's a – we just talked about him with Buffalo, free agent right tackle. You could go with him. He won't be the most expensive guy in the market. So maybe you could get him and someone else, which is, would be ideal in the situation. But a guy like Joe Thune, who's a home run out on the offensive line, that would make sense as well. Now, the Jets have three of the first 34 picks in the draft. They're switching. Robert Sales coming in, switching to a 4-3. They lack an edge rushing presence, to say the least. There's some guys you could get in free agent, maybe Carl Lawson, Ngakwe. Um, but I think that price point will probably be higher than what the Jets want to pay. But with those three picks in the first 34, I think they can actually maybe make a move there to get a defensive end or an edge pass rusher. Yeah, this year it's very tricky because the the pass rushing class is not fantastic. I mean, we talked about some of the guys. Quiddy Pay was more of a not going to get you 10 sacks a year, probably six sacks and a really good run defender. Someone like Gregor Rousseau's developmental. Jalen Phillips, concussion issues. You're looking more at a Jason Owe, who is a almost purely developmental piece from uh, from Penn State, or maybe Aziz Ojolari at that point because you're probably not taking one of these guys in the first round. The veterans who are available, someone like a Trey Hendrickson, who just had 12, I think 13 and a half sacks this past year. Melvin Neerham's going to be available, even though he missed most of this past season with injuries. It's not a great year to have a Nia defensive end. Let me just put it that way. Someone like a Justin Houston could be out there for a fairly cheap amount of money, but you're not going to get a home run in free agency. Maybe even a Romeo Aquara could help you out from Detroit. Well, I don't think it's going to be a great year to fill out role. Just in free agency and the draft, there's not that many stars. All right, they're a mess at linebacker, too. It's basically C.J. Mosley, and they need two off-the-ball linebackers to fit a 4-3 scheme. Jordan Jenkins is an unrestricted free agent, but I don't think he fits that scheme, so I don't think he'll be back. So they got a lot of work to do at linebacker also. Yeah, you basically have to – they're moving to a 4-3, like you said. You have to replace all three linebackers because the four guys they were had starting the season for the most part at linebacker this past year are all free agents. So you're going to have to – completely redo that position. You have C.J. Mosley, who really hasn't played in two years at this point because he had the injury the year before opting out the season. And there's not going to be like a home run linebacker out there you're going to be able to take and just plug and play and automatically make your defense good this year. And you're paying Mosley a lot of money. So it's it's just a very crappy situation with New York that you're not going to be able to fix that, fix that linebacking core or maybe even fix that defensive line for another year or two. All right, a cornerback, I think what you've got is this. They have some young talent, but I don't think they got anybody really that can get this done. But the thing I do know is this. The 49ers have six corners hitting free agency. Richard Sherman, Jason Verrett, 
Kawan Williams, three of those guys. I wouldn't be shocked if at least one of them reunites with with Sale. I know the players love Sale. Uh, I think Poole, who's an unrestricted free agent, they need to sign. I think he's a solid nickel, and he could return on a one-year deal pretty cheap. What's your take there on the 49er idea? Well, I like the 49er idea, and I absolutely agree with Poole, by the way. He's one of the best uh, slot corners in the game this past season. I don't think it's going to be Sherman. I think I can't really tell if Sherman wants a ring, though, or if Sherman wants a contract. I don't know at this point. But I think spending a lot of money on a 33-year-old corner or 32-year-old corner who's coming off an injury-shortened season, that would be a little bit difficult. Jason Verrett's another guy who has been injured almost his entire career, but the two seasons he's been healthy, he's performed like a pro bowler. So there's going to be some risk here. But if you go out on a short-term deal, I think Verrett's probably the way to go. I do like what they have in Bryce Hall. He was a fifth-round pick this past year. I don't think he's the guy. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to be a star shutdown corner in the future. But like you said, there are some young guys. They work here. There's another, there's another Lamar Jackson. They have a corner who was an undrafted free agent who got a lot of starting time this past season. You just can't have those guys being full-time stars, though. So they're going to have to add one or two guys. Maybe even Xavier Rhodes. I mean, Xavier Rhodes had a really good uh, comeback season with the Colts this past year. That's someone who you can probably get on a short-term deal. I wouldn't be opposed to adding him to the Jets. All right, safety. I think priority, priority number one in this offseason is re-signing Marcus May. Or Do you agree? Oh, no, absolutely. You have to re-sign him or franchise tag him. Yeah, I think he has to be signed. And I'm not real comfortable with Davis in the other spot at safety. I think a guy like Neil from Atlanta who play – I mean, I think Neil would work out fine. Yeah, Neil will work out fine. He's not going to be – fantastic. He's a little bit more of a box safety, but you know what? Depending on what you're asking for or depending on what you're looking for, that spot never worked out okay. Marcus May really stepped into the Jamal Adams role as Patrick's. Obviously, Adams went to Seattle, but May, you played him in the box. You played him back deep. You played him in the slot. He was all over the place. He lined up almost as linebacker in some place, and it seems like every team now wants at least one safety capable of doing almost everything, and right now, Marcus May is that kind of player. And if you're the Jets, you'd be crazy to let him go because he is your only solid piece in that secondary to build around at this point. And he is a top 10 safety in the NFL. Letting this guy walk when he fills so many needs for you in secondary would be absolutely insane. All right. So I think it's safe to say I, I, right now I think the Bills will run away with this division. I don't know if more than one team makes the playoffs from this division. I think the Miami Dolphins have serious issues. The Patriots have serious issues. The Jets could fix a lot of things quickly. I think the Jets could be my surprise team, maybe get to seven or eight wins. But I think the Bills are the only playoff team here. See, with the Jets, though, it comes down to like quarterback decisions. You don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to be next year. We at least for the Dolphins have an idea that's either going to be Tua or Deshaun Watson. How about this? I am giving the Jets a shot because I really think that Sale's a good football coach. I think a lot of guys are going to want to come play for him, and I think we'll be surprised the free agents he may get once the signing period starts here later on in the month. Well, that's true. And you do have Richard Sherman and guys going out on the radio telling how great of a head coach he's going to be, how good of a coach Sala is. So he'll having him be your head coach, you're probably going to get a couple extra free agents than you ordinarily would. And New York, that's a big market. I mean, that's a financial attraction for a lot of people as well. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Tomorrow, we will break down the AFC North so we can talk about the Bengals and the Steelers, how the Steelers will be last and the Bengals will be not last. All right, follow Sam Teets at SamTeets33. You can follow me at Grueling Truth Inside Boxing Daily, which used to be one of our most popular shows until my co-host disappeared. We'll be back today at 2 o'clock in about 15 minutes, live on the Grueling Truth. Make sure you check out all of our shows on Rockfin. Follow us on Facebook. 
Follow us on Twitter at Grueling Truth. But for now, for Sam Dietz, I'm Mike Goodpaster. You've been watching and listening to The Grueling Truth, where the legends speak.